and welcome to episode 55 of The Courageous Mama. This week I'm chatting to Kat Metcalf. I wanted to chat to a mum who'd been in the corporate world and then made her way across to working from home and juggling children and find out what that looked like in practice. Kat's a working mum, married to Alex, and they have three children. George is their oldest, he's in reception, Charlie aged three, and little Isla, their seven-month baby. In fact, you'll hear Isla happily gurgling in the background for the first half of our chat. Kat has made that journey from corporate life and no kids, through wanting children but waiting two years for it to happen, and then experiencing redundancy and working out how to take her skills and experience and build a home business whilst looking after their three children. Some of you may well relate to this, that pondering, what do I do? What do I do with my skills? Where can I take it? Where do I go from here? So it's really interesting hearing how she processed it all. Here's my conversation with Kat. Kat, pretty much I have known you from corporate businesswoman to home businesswoman with three children. And that happened really quickly for me. (laughs) How did it go for you? Yeah, it did, didn't it? Gosh, and I remember thinking, well, I remember for ages, years, so Alex and I got married when I was 22. Whippersnapper. Yeah, whippersnapper baby. And uh, he wasn't much older, 23, I think, and we didn't want children for a long time. And I was quite adamant about that. Um, I really didn't feel ready. And of course, when you've been married for 10 years, people start looking at you a bit funny. (laughs) Yeah, do they start asking questions? Well, they've been asking the questions for probably quite a while. (laughs) And uh, so, yeah, we were used to batting that off, I think. And then there came a point where, like, yeah, okay, yeah, I'm ready for this now. And actually, it took a little while um, to get there. So it took a couple of years before um, we found out that I was pregnant with our first. Did you think it would take about that long? I just didn't know, to be honest. You, I mean, I think you, you hope that it will happen. I don't think I ever really assumed, because I knew that... That's Isla heavy breathing in the background, yeah. by the way. Yeah. <laughs> this is Isla, seven months, who wanted to join rather than nap. Welcome to my life. Welcome to the podcast, Isla. <laughs> she seems happy. Um, so yeah, I didn't quite assume, and I think the more the time's gone on, the more I wouldn't assume that you can just have children on order. It's not how it works. Um, if only it did but actually you know there was a lot that happened in those two years that I'm grateful for now that's a good way to look at it yeah there was well I think we were so determined that it would happen one way or another and if we had to go down you know a route to get some help for it to happen then all the more reason to enjoy the freedom that we had because we had quite a lot of friends at that stage who were parents and they'd be like oh you'll never sleep again and you know make sure you have your fun now and all that stuff it's you know looking now you think gosh it's slightly doomsday isn't it but actually it did help us to go on holiday when we could and do up houses when we could and it didn't matter if you were doing DIY till midnight and all that kind of stuff so we packed it in shall we say and then George arrived um, and at the time I was working away from home and I had been for probably four years by that point so I worked up in Leicestershire I was away probably three nights a week and Alex was working out of Munich and he was away four nights a week. So we would meet at the weekends, basically. Which <laughs> probably like, took two years to <laughs> conceive. It could be. could be in the mix. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't work that one out too fast. Um, so, yeah, I knew that 
that wasn't a good recipe for family life, but didn't really know how it would change and couldn't really understand what to do. I had actually looked for other jobs elsewhere, but the industry that I'm working in was in quite random places, none of which were where we live in Cheltenham. So we just kind of hurtled our way into parenthood and thought, well, we'll just see what comes and deal with it. Is that your modus operandi generally, or are you a planner? I'm generally a bit of a planner, actually. Um, my sister would laugh out loud if she heard that Because, <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely the orderly one. But at the time, I thought, well, there's not, you know, why why worry about it? Just, you know, carry on. So we did. Um, and so we had George, and Alex continued to be away a lot. Um, and it didn't look like he would be changing that anytime soon, because um, he was still enjoying it. And then Charlie came very quickly, which was a surprise. Right. <laughs> a Having tried for two surprise. years, then yeah. a wonderful surprise. Yeah, I had yeah. one of those. Um, we did, really didn't expect it to be that fast. So we thought, well, um, okay, and carry on. So I was going back to work in Chiswick. That's where my job was by that point. So I was hurtling up and down the motorway trying to get back before nursery shut and all that kind of thing not every day wow, but yeah it fine yeah it was it was <laughs> it was a bit hectic that was me really that was my working life and I enjoyed parts of it there were parts of it that were really tricky too um looking back on it it was kind of all-consuming at times and long hours and all those things which is partly my personality and just a diligent person I probably didn't have to work as hard as I did but I did we knew change was coming and I probably didn't think it would come quite the way it did but um sorry I was joining the conversation here but yeah with six weeks to go before I was due to return after having Charlie I got the phone call to say my job was under review and initially I was actually quite excited because I thought well maybe this is the change that I'd always kind of thought of um but not had not really known what I would do instead um and anyway that became a a a done deal and um I became redundant and so then I went into right well what do I do next and the big the big thing I think that we often hear is that we can do whatever you want and Mm. what inspires you and what you're passionate about and what do you really want to do because this feels like a big landmark moment where if I'm ever going to do it now's the time so um, I did I did have a real think about what had I really enjoyed doing. And it was probably the first time I'd really thought about what am I actually good at and what if I really enjoyed the most, what's really given me life. And so I went through that process, but all the while I had two tiny kids, so they were both, well, Ch- George was two and Charlie was a year so they were really quite small and Alex was away a lot um, so I you know I wouldn't sit down till at least nine o'clock in the evening um, and then not have a lot a... of time to ponder what you're good at <laughs> no, not quite <laughs> and then have a broken night and then wake up at six and do it all again so it just really wasn't much space to process and I think that was probably the hardest bit of that whole thing was um, well what what do I do and how do I work it out and the only way really to get that space is to buy childcare so we ended up having a really expensive (laughs) few months where the kids were in childcare so I could try and have a a think about what I was going to do because I just couldn't compute not working having gone so headlong into work for so long um, and I guess because having kids just slightly later 
Um, although it's not late now by any stretch, but it felt it at the time when everyone's been asking you for 10 years when you're going to have kids. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the only way to do it was to have childcare. And of course, it's incredibly expensive. And when you're not actually earning the money yet, it feels quite all the more pressured to work it out quickly. So that was quite uncomfortable, I would say. I didn't find that easy. Um, but I came to, you know, in the evenings, I'd be building my website and deciding what I was going to do. And um, So you built the website before you decided what you wanted to do? Well, no. <laughs> Most people do it the other way around. <laughs> yeah, I did do it the other way around. Yeah. But it all takes time when you're doing it by yourself and, you know, trying to field family life and stuff at the same time. But I launched um, this new business and... I've kind of been doing that ever since, and that was two years ago now. Mm. Just going back slightly, you thought about what you were good at mm. and what you liked doing, what gave you life. Yeah. And what did you narrow it down to? I narrowed it down to purpose, so business purpose, because the business that I'd been in um, was a very successful business and was one of these merger and acquisition businesses where they were buying lots of companies who all had their own founder, who had their own values and culture and what tied all those businesses together. And so we had to come up with the answer. Part of that was establishing you know, a business vision, which the board of directors did. Um, but actually we needed more than that as well. We needed to have a bit of a mission statement and some values, which... And then we needed to work out what the purpose of the business was because there was 5,000 people, in, well, 8,000 people overall in the organisation, all doing different things, serving different audiences, delivering different services. And there wasn't an awful lot, really, that tied them all together in some ways. The way that we did that was to look at, well, what were we all working towards? What was the shared goal? Okay. And came Brilliant. up with our business purpose. I really enjoyed that process. I found it really stimulating, motivating was quite challenging you know you had to really stand up for what you believed and that was a little bit against the grain at times but and when you say purpose I mean purpose and vision some people might use those words together but mm. you've specifically used the word purpose so what do you mean by that well I think a vision can be you know where are you looking to get to in five years time and what do you want the company to be achieving financially and um, or so environmentally, yeah, it okay. is quite goal oriented. Well, there's confusion sometimes between vision and mission, and people can blend them into one. But essentially, it's where where are you going, and what do you want to achieve? Mm-hmm. But with purpose, it's more about but what's the point of what we're actually doing? Why are we motivated to do what we're doing? And that was really what we wanted to. Why are we motivated to. to do what we're doing? Gosh, with all those different strands of yeah. business sectors. Yeah. And how did you find some common ones? Well, it was all within healthcare. Right. So everybody was doing entirely different jobs, but everybody was fundamentally working towards improving lives for people with health right. conditions, patients. Brilliant. Um, yep. And so that was what tied us all together. And even when you had incredibly different characters in different parts of the business and different cultures literally you know lots of different countries 50 countries that was what held everyone together and And that's what we call the why isn't it yeah common parlance now yeah yeah that's brilliant so yeah that was what um it had been so I decided to go about helping other companies to work out what their why was and so that's where I started from 
So how do you sort of launch yourself in something like that? Because it's quite niche, isn't it? It is quite niche. And (laughs) this was a year before lockdown, so a year before a pandemic. So actually, things have changed since then as well. And I have had to pivot because not everybody's thinking about their why at the moment. People are just thinking, how do they stay afloat? Just their how. Um, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, you know, I have had to pivot where I've come, where I started out at. But that gave you enough to launch with, to go, that's who I am, that's what I'm about, that's my personal purpose. Yeah, absolutely. So that corporate purpose helped you define your own purpose in that moment, do you think? It certainly gives me a huge amount of joy to help people understand why they're doing what they're doing and what a difference it makes. So we've done some work with different companies helping them to do that and seeing it come alive for people is really inspiring and helps them to understand that the job that they're doing, they might not have thought of as a you know, philanthropic job, but actually it does make a difference. If they do it well, it makes a huge difference to the people that they're serving, their clients. So that's a really wonderful moment when you get to see that come to life. So I've really enjoyed that. That shared vision gives you unity, doesn't it, as a corporation? You it might does. be a cog in the wheel, but yeah. you're part of the wheel. You belong. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And even if you go about things differently, I mean, hopefully you don't go about them too differently behaviourally um, because your values hopefully anchor you all to a agreed set of ways of working. But yeah, it really helps people to understand why they're all part of a much bigger machine than themselves. So here you are, three years, two years on. Two years on, yeah. And you're up and running and you've got yep. some clients. Yeah. And you've got one at school, one at nursery. Yeah. And one on your lap. Yeah. <laughs> Joining this conversation. You're quite the kind of magazine front cover for working mum. <laughs> oh, that's very kind. Is it always as easy as it looks? Um, no. No, it's not. Um, I would say that that first year was challenging. Um. And whilst there was lots of joy in it, and there really was, I mean, little kids, you just can't, hi, <laughs> you just can't beat them for the fun and the perspective on life that they bring. Yes. It's just, you know, you want to really treasure that time. Mm. But at the same time, my goodness, you do just want a quiet sit down sometimes, don't you? And they're not very easy to get. <laughs> Did um, you ever know what time meant before you had children, really? Well, no. I don't. <laughs> do because, the value of a minute you know i think if you're a person who likes to be productive then that's you true. know yeah. you always want to be productive don't you? And i think that's probably one of the things i've found hardest about parenting is that drive to be productive rather than it being about wanting to be you know get lots and lots of tasks done it's instead it's about how much washing can you get done today and stuff like that so um and have you had to switch your evaluation of productivity to actually something more nebulous I think um, the baseline for product, there's, as a mum or as a parent, there's just so much that needs to be done before you can move on to the things that would be productive for you. Mm. So there's a lot of, you know, cleaning, tidying, folding, washing, or getting the shopping in, cooking the meals. And that takes up probably about 85% of your day, if not 90 So then the bit of time that you have left to do what you want to do for yourself is very small um and that's probably the bit that's a bit more challenging when you haven't quite let go of all the things that you still want to be able to do and yeah. um, i find that a bit challenging sometimes so do you have childcare for 
Isla? Or no. You, no. So you're no. getting your working hours in kind of around Isla, or you're taking yeah, time so, out? Well, so part? I'm technically on maternity leave at the moment. Um, and I've got a really lovely client who um, said to me, you know, would you be interested in doing a project for us? And this was back in November when life was opening up a little bit. I was like, oh, I quite fancy that. That would be quite good. And so, and also, I didn't know what I'd be coming back to when I returned from maternity leave in September. So I said yes. Um, and then they announced lockdown shortly afterwards and said, you know, the kids would be home from school. <laughs> that oh dear what have I done so um yes I I have I have had three months where I've been juggling she was four months old at the time um four month old baby um a three-year-old at home most of the time he was in nursery two days a week and then George at home all the time and then remote learning with him so yeah that was interesting that's a real juggle it was a juggle and was Alex working from home at that point he was yeah but he's literally on teams microsoft teams seven eight hours a day yeah Um, so as much as he would have loved to have helped and he really would have done he's you know he he would always try and do his equal share if he could he just couldn't so um so yeah it was a bit of a juggle but we got through it um without drinking gin (laughs) 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 quite an achievement Uh, (laughs) yeah definitely um actually i've got some work lined up for when i return which is wonderful so i can really relax now with her with Ina, the little squeaker in, in this conversation in this next section it was fun to chat about some topics that are also chapters in my book such as belonging for example which is a funny subject and i haven't seen it covered in a parenting book before But when people read it, they really enjoy applying it because it becomes so personal to your family identity. And we also chat about applying boundaries as little Isla falls asleep. So going back to purpose and value, which is obviously Mm. something that you were quite able to identify and focus on in a corporate way. Is that something that you thought about as a family? Yeah, it is. Uh, Certainly the what do we enjoy doing together um and I think for us it's been a quite a bit about adventure oh yeah well it would be actually wouldn't it now you mention it talk to us about some of the adventures that you love doing well so my husband is a bit of an outdoor sports well he used to be (laughs) (laughs) he still is he still is he loves getting out on his mountain bike and he'd love to go on a boat and go you know do some reasonably extreme things if he could um, but we really love doing that with the boys and Isla as well. So they, they're brilliant on their bikes. We're kind of, <laughs> I get a lot of comments when I go to the school run in the village. Oh, he's good on his bike, isn't he? So you think, my little one thinks he's Lightning McQueen and is trying to be as fast as <laughs> he can. And you can hear him engage speed boosters at the top of the road. <laughs> and unfortunately, crashed into a wall after doing that last week. Oh, little He's man. fine now. <laughs> Poor little chap. So yeah, definitely fun and adventures is a big one for us. Um, and we love to try and do new things or go to different places and particularly me because I'm quite a task sort of person I like to tick off different places <laughs> give you a little insight into me I signed up to the National Trust which is so you know middle class England isn't it but the reason I wanted to do that was so I could tick off different places each month and take the kids but then lockdown happened and that's kind of gone out the window <laughs> a bit but things like that make me it's happy a plan. <laughs> it was a plan it was a plan yeah that's it so definitely that's one of them um 
and kind of memory and committing things to memory, really celebrating moments is a big thing for us. Someone once said, um, who we both admired, you know, you've always got to celebrate each moment because you don't know what's coming next. So if something good happens, then we will celebrate it. And I, this is a bit of a project really, that always takes me absolutely forever, but I do a family album each year. Gosh, every year. Well, I'm two years behind now. Actually, not much happened in the last year, so that'll (laughs) help me. But um, a lot of indoor photos. (laughs) Yes, quite. I love taking photographs, and I like writing stories. So I write stories about the children and what they're doing to try and commit it to memory, and I share that. We share it on an app with family every day, but um, I then put it into a book. So we've got what we did in 2019. Gorgeous idea. Yeah. So will you have a story next to a photograph? Yes. Or a whole page of story and a page of photos both Both. so I'll do things like this is what Charlie was doing age three or these are the things he would say or these are the things that were important to him so a sort of journal photo book yeah exactly like that so uh, I really like doing that and it's it's one of those things that Alex isn't particularly bothered by until he sits down to look at it particularly if it's a year on and think gosh weren't they small Mm. or do you remember when he said that and I just really like that I, I like that being idea. able to look back and just really treasure it but also it feels like I'm being really intentional in treasuring what's happening now and really appreciating it now because so many people say to you oh, enjoy them when they're small because it only gets more complicated <laughs> which I'm sure is true so I really want to make sure I am enjoying it as much as I can now and that's one of the ways that I process it and everything oh, that's absolutely brilliant mm-hmm. I love that so, and shared yeah. experiences are part of what bonds you in a sort of belonging team. Yeah, well. and, and friendship's probably one of the other things, and our friends and our family feature heavily in, in those, and, you know, we really like being able to make time and try and do things with those. I think friendship and community's big for us, and we'll try and do things on the road at Easter or things like that just to kind of mark the moment as well. And, and the road, as in the road you live in? The road we live like in, Like a road yeah. party? Or yeah, a, yeah. yeah, well... My mum's just making bunting for her road. Oh, is she? Yeah. Or the road off. (laughs) (laughs) Not quite that good, but we've done things like make scones and drop them off with jam and cream at VE Day. Brilliant. Little little things like that. So I think things like that are important to us and make us feel like us. Yes. Um, So we try and prioritise those things. And actually, lockdown's been really brilliant for creating memories. And Alex has been home, which has meant that we've just had so much more time to be able to do fun things um especially last year when the weather was so glorious just mm, lovely it was. Um, so yeah that feels like part of what so adventure us. shared memories belonging i love the whole belonging feel about that yes. you know as you know chapter yes. one <laughs> belonging <laughs> And those things that you do together, yes. they're just so important, aren't yeah. they? Or everyone taking their part. Yeah, and bringing other people along for the ride or, and you know, going along on the ride with other people too. I think it's so valuable when you're a parent to have other people who are parents. You can just have a bit of a laugh about <laughs> what's going on. You need to. You do, <laughs> yeah. Sanitary. The joys and the, you know, you can turn all of the disasters into a laugh as well, can't you? Yes. Thankfully. Afterwards. So. I always say, it's funny afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the time. <laughs> Not so and the children said something really embarrassing to oh, a stranger. Gosh, gosh what yeah. did um remember Tom got out the car once, he went up to this chap on the road, he was quite a large gentleman, he said, How come you've got boobs and you're a boy? And I stood there <laughs> thinking, 
This would be funny by about six o'clock. <laughs> right now, no I don't know what to row back No, well, my little one, he's just started school. He's he's very aware of the rules, shall we say. And my goodness, he does he does take it upon himself to remind people of what they are sometimes. I think, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Try and undo some of that. He's an organiser. He is an organiser. Yeah, Governor. absolutely. Yeah, he's <laughs> He's enthusiastic. He's wonderful. I've just done a podcast with Laura Mears. She has done the five voices for children. Ah, oh, brilliant. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking, I know there's a, a voice for that. <laughs> so the voice of leadership. It is funny. They do do funny things. So you've got your, your kind of values for what you do. Yeah. What about the kind of thinking, feeling, listening type values? Have you had a chance to think about that sort of thing? Yeah, so listening, I think, is becoming increasingly important and I think it's definitely something you have to be quite intentional about now my eldest loves a chat and he's got a lot going on in his mind and he talks a lot (laughs) and uh, I find it quite challenging if I can be honest because I just have to zone out after a while I just can't keep focused for that long and so I do find myself going "Mm mm-hmm yeah, and he's like, Mummy, what do you mean? Are you listening? Oh, I haven't listened. <laughs> and I've got no idea what he's just said because it's been 20-minute monologue and I've kind of switched off. So I'm trying to be better at that. Um, but also, <laughs> in the uh, in the car or whatever, when both, both boys are, are chatting, we have to really get them to take turns to chat to make sure that everybody has a chance that's to That's another say. challenge. It is. But they do it. They do do it. Oh, that's good. And... Uh, the eldest now knows that when he wants to speak and we're all already in a conversation he has to say excuse me and wait so he's getting good at that as well so Aww. we're trying to do things like that we're trying to i i'm lucky in that i get to spend time with them all individually at the moment do you yeah. oh that's amazing which is yeah how do you do that well i mean we're fortunate so george is in school every day and so when he comes home from school two days a week charlie's in nursery and so i have three hours with George um just to listen to him chat <laughs> yes just to fit it in mothering so, takes time it does it? it does so I you know I get time with him very concentrated time with him two days a week Charlie I get three days a week with him when George is in school and then Isla gets all the night <laughs> yes <laughs> with me and yeah she gets a couple of um mornings when it's just me and her which is really lovely so i feel really lucky that we've been able to do that gosh that's a good balance yeah mm. it really is it feels very helpful i think for all the various dynamics that are going on because they're quite close together in age so they all need their time and space to be who they are um yeah alex really does well to find moments with them when he can so like yesterday he had a 10 minute break in between calls so he went on the trampoline with charlie who absolutely loved that and he'll go off finding something that george has wanted to do so he'll go and do that or he'll go with them both on their bikes together and um and he, he obviously gets to hold and cuddle isla when i'm doing various things so we really want to become 
more uh, formal, I think, probably in how that works as they get older, because at the moment it kind of help, happens organically almost. Yes, it can do. And then being intentional as they get bigger. I mean, I have yes. seen Alex down at the park with your eldest because he said that he wanted some daddy time. Yeah, which so is his code for cat needs a break. <laughs> oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I just believed him. <laughs> no, that is true. It is his way of having daddy time, but it's also his way of letting me, um, you know lie down with my eyes shut for 10 minutes yes. regroup really nice. yeah regroup <laughs> or actually probably at the time I was working mm. um, which is probably the reality of it so um so yeah we do try and do that and we try to be quite disciplined on boundaries um with them which was actually after reading your book um probably quite a bit of it was intentional and intuitive anyway because you know I always grew up with with boundaries but I think it's quite easy for them to become more and more blurred at the moment. I don't know, don't know what it is. Modern parenting, I think, takes away some of the boundaries that would naturally have been in place in previous generations. And some of that is really good. And I think some of it can be really difficult. So do you find it's about finding your family's way in among a kind of sea of differing boundaries? Yes. Yeah. And I think there is such variety and we're probably more aware of that now because of social media and there are so many different parenting theories aren't there and I don't know I think it's calmed down a bit recently actually but there seems to be a bit of a drive for what type of parent are you right I don't know I'm just <laughs> fudging it <laughs> whacking it out an awake one a yeah. half awake one yeah. so I don't know I think Alex and I are like trying to be um fairly chilled if we can be but and I think there's areas in, in our parenting where I'm becoming a bit more chilled on discipline I think, it's, I think perhaps at times I've just been a little bit too be the perfect child that's not <laughs> it's not possible um and actually it can cause difficulties when other children aren't also yeah perfect children mm. what do you do in that situation so I think our the boundaries for me will lessen a little bit there maybe Mm. Um, so we're working that out as we go along I think finding our way sometimes when they are playing up though it's what's underneath that isn't it there's quite often they've got a little purpose of their own that they're fighting for and it yes. it looks like you know poor choices and actually they can really be trying to get something done can't they yeah absolutely there's something really important going on and um, my eldest a couple of times has come in to tell me about things and I'll admit I wasn't really listening and he wanted to do a treasure hunt or something and he was telling me that he'd dug up the garden and I was like oh okay and I carried on making dinner <laughs> and then Alex came to find me in the evening and and he had literally dug up the garden <laughs> and hidden a treasure chest and because I wasn't listening I didn't realise. So it's a good job no one went walking in the garden that evening in the dark because it would have fallen down quite a large <laughs> hole. Oh dear. Gosh, clever man. <laughs> Make he's, a large hole at that age. He is, isn't he? Obviously. He really Very different from Charlie? Yes, quite different. Charlie just likes to be in the moment and, you know, I said to him yesterday, shall I read your story, Charlie? So he brought me five. Oh. five stories so we sat and read those before we there's a clue isn't it yeah. <laughs> pay me some attention yeah. I need you yeah. goodness knows what Isla will be like she just gets left poor girl you do wonder how many different combinations of character you can have yeah. I, I got to five and decided I, that's enough combinations <laughs> of character yeah 
Well, you're braver than me, so I think I'm done at three. Well, <laughs> three's more than two handfuls, though, isn't it? Did you yes. find there was a massive change when you had three? Well, you did it in lockdown, but... Yeah, so I think because Alex used to be away so much, so I used to parent on my own four days a week with two little ones 19 months apart. That's pretty good That's going. hardcore. I know there are other people who are even more hardcore. But after a few couple of years, it's quite big. So when lockdown came and Alex was home, actually being pregnant as I was at the time felt a lot more doable to me. Alex remembers me being really tired, but I think I don't know that I was. I, you know, I trust his judgment, but I, to me, I felt like I had time. It was great, um, and so actually having Isla in lockdown, it's, it's been a bit sad because she's been so separated and she's not met another baby yet. Gosh, so that's a funny thing. It's a really it? odd thing. Um, so that's been challenging, but actually, it feels like we've had more time than ever which so you've had it slightly back to front then haven't you you yeah. had the hardcore years when Alex was traveling and you yes. had two little ones and when you moved to three actually you had Alex home and yeah so a bit more support you know it's got its challenging moments I won't deny that for a minute but um actually the balance has felt better for me with three than it did with two so I'm incredibly grateful for that and it looks like it should be more like that in the future than it was before so um hats off to any single parents out there because i just I think they should all have a knighthood or a damehood instantly it's <laughs> just, a lot isn't it's it? incredible mm. absolutely incredible mm. um and the fact that you know i was parenting alone four days a week but i wasn't a single mum mm. or a single dad i think when you're having to make all of the other hard decisions on your own too that is just an emotional level of energy that most people mm. will never appreciate or understand and mm. i really think that is commendable um takes a real character to be able to get through that well yeah that's a, a, a big hats off to you out there if you're if you're doing it alone absolutely so i'm going to ask you what's a courageous thing that you've done as a mum? i mean quite a lot of the things you've already said feel quite courageous to me already <laughs> but have you got anything to add to that pile i don't know if they feel courageous at the time because you just do what you have to do don't you but um I obviously I've listened to your podcast and I had a bit of a thought and it was a bit of an amusing thing really is I think with travel it's been the time when I've been a bit courageous so my Scottish granny turned 90 when Charlie was uh, 11 months and so Alex was away um, and so my mum was like do you, do you think you'll go I was thinking no <laughs> I've got a one and a half year old or a, you know a two year old and an 11 month old, no, I won't be going. And then I thought, mm, well, I guess I could. So we went on the train, the three of us, Aww. up to Scotland. And uh, yeah, it was only a small thing, but it felt at the time like this could go all kinds of wrong for five <laughs> hours on a train carriage where people good. can't avoid you. Actually, it was okay, it was fine. But things like that we've done. So when George was born, we went to France when he was six weeks. And then we went. I took him on my own to Munich when he was three months because Alex was working out there both the Friday and the Monday so it didn't really make sense for him to come home so we went out there on the plane together um, I couldn't get off the flight though I had to get the pilot to help me with the bush because <laughs> they shut the stairs or something and then the elevator wasn't open or I don't know what it was but anyway the Lufthansa pilot was very nice so we did that and we went to Spain when he was six months old we went to South Africa with the two boys um, 
which was slightly nutty flight but we did it it was 11 hours i think of uh, trying to get charlie not to scream uh, to be honest i think camping was probably the biggest bravest thing i've ever done <laughs> i've got no plans of doing it ever again oh really <laughs> no. you put off yeah totally put off was it rainy or sunny uh, both i think classic british weather mm-hmm. um but yeah it was more than not sleeping just yeah I think charlie was eight months and just wouldn't one night's enough really when they're small yeah broke me i think i think that's probably <laughs> you can get to munich and back <laughs> but don't would, put me in a field no, with a tent stick me on a train with 200 two that's no problem but camping beyond me can't do it <laughs> good to know your limitations yeah, you've absolutely. done it tick yeah. adventure caravan, finished maybe but i'm not quite yeah. ready for caravan yet still coming to terms with being a mum never mind a caravanner yeah (laughs) yes taking kids on trains planes and campsites definitely takes all kinds of courage i loved my chat with kat the insights into working out how to build a business by finding your purpose finding what fires you up i appreciated her honesty too about what parenting and working looks like in practice on a daily basis And what it's like having a baby in lockdown, a lockdown baby. And it was fun hearing about how that investigation into corporations to find their life-giving values, which is what she did in her corporate life, is equally applicable to family life. So I'm really grateful to Kat for dropping into The Courageous Mama. If you want to pick up your copy of Parenting for Life, pop across to my blog. That's where you can redeem your listeners' discount. It's a beautiful, hardback, fully illustrated book teeming with life-giving ideas for family life, for bonding, for relationship, for those tricky moments and for boundaries and belonging chapters too. The link is below. There's also a link to the podcast that we talked about at the beginning which helps you identify your child's strengths and how to nurture them. It's the five voices of children. And you can also find me if you're looking for some help with one child one aspect of family life, or indeed many, and you'd just like to work out some tools that would help you and your family through, then do follow the link below to coaching. And you can follow me on Instagram at The Courageous Mama. You can email me on thecourageousmama at gmail. I love to hear from you and I'm happy to answer questions and I really enjoy your feedback. And if you've enjoyed this, could I ask you to pop below, put a comment and punch me some stars. Have a great week. I'll see you again next Tuesday.